listening to our bodies really is kind of like a muscle. And when you don't use it, you lose it. Diet culture has told us that these are, quote, bad foods. If I eat that food, then I've done something bad and wrong, and now I've failed. And that's the problem. You know, I want to be a steward of my body and take care of my body and honor my health. So we can do that. But I think the biggest differentiator is it's coming from this place of empowerment versus fear. Hello, lassies and lads. We are back for episode two of this entire season about intuitive eating with intuitive eating expert Victoria Yates. I'm so excited for another episode. Last week was amazing. If you didn't You should definitely go check it out. We talked about all the reasons why dieting just doesn't work. It was amazing. We talked about the science behind why, and we got kind of personal in there. So be kind with us, and we are here for another episode. This is episode two of six, and we're going to talk about why good slash bad food and food mindset is keeping you stuck. Welcome back, Victoria. Yes, thank you, Melissa. Okay, so talk to us about what or how you would define intuitive eating before we get going. Mm, Yeah. So intuitive eating, kind of the definition I share is it's a research-based approach that helps you to get away from dieting and eat in a way that comes from having a deep trust with yourself and with your body by listening to your body. How do you listen to your body versus like your mind, right? Because I think one of the things that you've talked to me about before is, you know, there is a fear with intuitive eating when you don't trust yourself, right? Like there is that fear of if I say, like we talked about last week, I'm no longer going to do diets and I'm going to do what Victoria tells me to do and be an intuitive eater, right? If I'm going to follow that, that's a little scary in the beginning, right? Like that's a little scary because I feel like, and I'm using like quotation marks, but I feel like the reason I'm here, right, is because I listened to myself and ate all of the things and fell off the wagon with the diets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how can I trust myself to know, listen to my body and be quote unquote intuitive? Yes, that is such a good question. And it's something that I... I hear from people all the time. They're thinking like, yeah, if I were to listen to my body, I would just eat pizza and donuts and cookies nonstop. (laughs) And I think that's a lot of people's fears. And I love just helping people work through that because I think it's important to start with the fact that we do have this innate ability to listen to our bodies. And I'll go into that in in a minute. But We have this innate ability to listen to our bodies, and yet we have been conditioned by our culture that we cannot listen to our bodies, that we cannot just trust our bodies. So that's kind of number one that is working against us. And then number two is I would guess that, you know, people listening who have this thought of, I don't know if I can listen to my body, have real evidence that tells them that they can't listen to their bodies. You've, you know, maybe been on the diet and then you come off of it and then you're like, 
eating, you know, overeating, binging your pantry, eating your kids candy mindlessly, and you like don't even like it, you know, so you have these experiences that kind of build up this evidence in your mind that says, yeah, no, like, no matter what you say that, you know, maybe other people can listen to their bodies, but not me. But I want to speak to that because we each, like I just said, we each are born with this innate ability to listen to our bodies. So when you look at like a newborn baby, when they're first born, they are such intuitive eaters, right? Like they cry when they're hungry, they eat, and then they pull away when they're done. And we each are born with that as well. And then, you know, as we grow up, as we get into culture, our diet culture, we lose that trust with ourselves. And listening to our bodies really is kind of like a muscle. And when you don't use it, you lose it. And it's just like, you know, a muscle that you don't work out for a while. It gets really weak. It stops working properly. But in order to, you know, get that muscle strong again, you have to work it again. And so in the same way, we are each able to relearn how to listen to our bodies and relearn that skill. And it really is a skill. And I want to just share with people, you know, if you are still kind of like, I just don't know, I I guarantee that you are already listening to your body in other ways. So like, for example, how do you know that you are thirsty? You get that feeling in your throat. That's like this dryness in your throat. You start to think about drinking water. This is something called interceptive awareness, which is the ability to listen to or the ability to feel something going on in your body, feel a physical sensation and know what it means, right? So you get that feeling that you are thirsty, you get that dryness in your throat and you start to think about drinking water and you know that that means, oh yeah, I got to drink water. Like my body's kind of dry and I need to get some hydration, right? So you're already practicing listening to your body but we just, you know, maybe aren't listening to our bodies when it comes to food. But it is a skill that we can relearn. That is amazing for everybody listening to just give that little tiny, tiny seed planted, right? To say, you may feel like Coach Mama Bear where you're like, but how can I trust myself, right? And if I don't do the all in that you talked about last episode, right? That all in attitude, right? Where I'm all in on the diet, I'm all in on the thing, I'm not doing the sugar, I'm not doing the carbs or whatever. And then yes, like you said, over time, we've built up this, most people who are on that diet roller coaster have built just a massive lack of trust in themselves, huge. And so I think a lot of people are a little scared of intuitive eating for those reasons. And so the fact that you explain it to say, no, we're going to build that like a muscle and learn to trust yourself over time. And then just imagine like in my mind, when you say that, I just want to close my eyes and like meditate on a life where I don't think about what I eat every day, all day. Mm -hmm. What? Like that's available to me. That's available to the person listening. Right. Just like it was for you. Like in the beginning, you know, you shared that last episode where it was like you were very diligent in what you eat and how you consumed and you knew the calories and the micronutrients and all the things. And yet, like it wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it is helpful to like look back that evidence that you have built up that's that tells you like, no, no, other people can eat intuitively. But Victoria, you don't know how I ate last night. (laughs) 
Yeah. I want you to think about like really ask yourself and really get curious and be honest. Were you in those moments actually listening to your body? Or what I find more often happens in those instances is you're not actually listening to your body. You're listening to this inner rebel that is like, just give me all the food. It's not actually paying attention to your body. You're listening to this little rebel. I feel like you like, just called me out on my own podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so true. Oh my gosh, it is. Mm-hmm. It is that inner rebel. Yeah. It's that inner rebel wow. who just has been restricted of all the foods and is like, all right, I'm going to eat whatever I want. And yeah, I want the chocolate donuts that my kids have. Okay. Or I want, mm-hmm. it's so funny because I won't, I'll like do this thing where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have the key lime pie because in the past I can't just have a slice of key lime pie. But then I get the efforts, right? The inner rebel where I will go to Publix and I will just buy the key lime pie and I will eat the entire pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that moment, were you actually listening to your body? Yeah, the inner rebel. That's just such a beautiful way to say it. It just makes so much sense. It wasn't listening to my body. It wasn't my body saying, I'm starving for key lime pie, Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was me. Right. And it's kind of like, again, I know I keep coming back to that analogy with alcohol, but it was like that too, where it was like, I'm really good. I haven't had anything for like a week. All right. Well, let me just have three bottles of wine now because I didn't have anything the entire week, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And this is where too, you know, thinking about what, you know, this episode we're talking about, like the good food, bad food mindset, that's what leads to that inner rebel, right? So that's where this is like really problematic when we have this very black and white, good food, bad food mindset, which let's just put it out there that this comes from diet culture. And I think we have been taught and conditioned that that is going to keep us safe and keep us from overeating and keep us from eating the quote bad foods. But what really happens is it it brings out that inner rebel. It's kind of like, I like to use the example too of like a toddler. If you told a toddler, hey, you cannot have this cupcake, even if they didn't want the cupcake, they're going to pitch a fit to try to get that cupcake, right? At least mine would. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what happens when you tell yourself, I can't have this key lime pie, Mm -hmm. then that's all you're going to want. And then the moment that you take that first bite, then that's where what I find with my clients is that's where the guilt and the shame and the effort mentality comes out and is like, well, just might as well just here I am again. And I told myself I wasn't going to do it and I'm doing it and I'm suck and now I'm disgusting. Yeah. There goes the cycle. Yeah. Which, you know, if we were to instead come at it from this place of, yeah, I can have, I can have some key lime pie. I feel totally neutral about it. And it doesn't mean that I am any less of a person. It doesn't mean that I've committed any crime. I love there's this quote in the intuitive eating book that says, the only reason you should feel guilty about eating food is if you stole the food. <laughs> just love that. Because like, think about if you were to just feel totally neutral about eating pie, and it was like, no big deal. I can have a piece of pie doesn't mean anything about me. I guarantee that you'll be able to just have a slice or so you'll be so much more mindful while you're eating it because you're not feeling that guilt and shame. 
And then you're going to notice when your body's like, yeah, I'm satisfied. I've had enough and be able to stop. So what do you respond or how do you sort of handle the health nuts, right? And I would say, you know, health is a value of mine, just like it is for you, right? Like it's always been a value. I've always moved my body. I've always been conscious of what I eat. Like I've always been conscious of eating vegetables and fruits and good good carbs and right. And there I am saying good carbs, right. But (laughs) I've always been very mindful of that. And there is a lot now in society talking about ingredients that are in food. And I have got on that bandwagon where I will look at the ingredients of most things before I purchase them. What are your thoughts on that for someone who maybe is like a binge eater like I am? Yeah. Well, I don't think we have to go to the extreme of, and I think this is also a misconception in the intuitive eating space that, okay, when we make peace with food, as we say, and let go of the good food, bad food mindset, it's not saying that all foods are created equal and have an equal nutritional value. It's saying, I am not less of a human, or I did not do anything wrong to eat XYZ food. So we don't have to totally not look at nutrition. And I think that that's just another extreme, right? That's just like taking it to the other extreme. And they're really, you know, there's a place in the middle and, you know, the end goal with intuitive eating is to get to a place where you are honoring your health. But, you know, at least how this looks for me is because I will also look at ingredients and I think that that's important. And, you know, I want to be a steward of my body and take care of my body and honor my health. Mm -hmm. And so we can do that. And be mindful of what we're putting in our bodies. But I think the biggest differentiator is it's coming from this place of empowerment versus fear, I think is really important. And I think also knowing that the truth is any one thing is not going to totally derail your health. Like one cookie is not going to derail your health. One slice of key lime pie is not going to derail your health. One bag of Doritos is not going to derail your health. Like we do not have to be so extreme with it. And so allowing for some flexibility, I think is also really important when we think about prioritizing our health. We can make really conscious, healthy decisions and also, I think the key is having some flexibility and knowing that it does it's not black and white. We don't have to be so extreme and all or nothing with it. I think like that is, at least from my point of view, and I don't know what your clients mostly say, but there is this thought that intuitive eating isn't necessarily healthy eating, mm-hmm. right? Like just to right. take your, your, not to call you out, but like your podcast picture is you with a slice of pizza, right? Yep. <laughs> like there are, there are other podcasts and other people online who have very similar like pictures of them stuffing their face with different foods, mm-hmm. right? And, and my brain, uh, my brain, which is, I probably say my typical, right? It's like, oh, that's a little scary because I feel like, again, going back to the trust thing, I I don't think I've ever ate one slice of pizza in my life. I either eat zero or half the pizza. So I love that you are out there debunking all of the misconceptions because I think it is probably your most important job in the world, apart from your kids and your family, but work-wise to debunk some of that because you know the benefits of intuitive eating. And again, like explaining, listen, it's not about saying there are foods aren't made equal. It's just this idea or concept of good or bad leads you down a terrible path. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, you know, like I said, it's not saying that the cookie is equally nutritious as a salad or like the pizza is equally nutritious as fish and some like roasted veggies. Right. But it's saying that, okay, we can include things like pizza in our lives and we don't have to be so extreme with it and we're still going to be healthy. <laughs> we it's not going to totally screw our bodies over. Well, and I remember you telling me that when I traveled to Spain, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I'm like, okay, I'm going away for 10 days and like most people who have deep food issues, there's a lot of stress associated with going on a trip. Because, you know, usually before the trip, you're working out more or eating less or doing things to feel in your best shape, right? And then you are scared that when you get there, you're just going to say, if it or, you know, whatever, like, you know, that inner rebel and just consume absolutely everything in sight. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, when we think about like the benefits to the negatives of like, all right, sure. If you were to take like a really restrictive diet and if you're able to, and actually want to do that for the rest of your life, most people that I talk to don't want that for the rest of their life. They want to be able to enjoy pizza and, and like some ice cream or whatever, then, okay, cool. But most people want to be able to have a really healthy balance and be able to enjoy all types of foods and not feel like they're going to just like go crazy on them. And if that's you, the whole good food, bad food mindset is what is keeping you stuck in that overeating and like binging of the quote bad foods. Because it's like that, like we talked about before, that inner rebel comes out, that inner toddler, or like I mentioned before, a lot of a lot of the women I work with, and I think this is just like women across the board. A lot of women struggle with perfectionism, and so that perfectionism comes out, and it's like you know, diet culture has told us that these are quote bad foods, and we we take that to mean if I have that food, if I eat that food, then I've done something bad and wrong, and now I've failed. And that's the problem. The problem is making it mean you you failed or you are a failure. And that's where the guilt and shame starts coming out. And that's where the, the what the heck mentality comes out. And it's like, yeah. just eat everything. Just, you know, if I'm going to eat a slice of pizza, if I'm going to have pizza, I got to eat the whole thing. You know? Sure. Yeah. How long after you started doing intuitive eating, were you able to consume food in a different way where a slice of pizza was enjoyable or two or ice cream one night with your husband was fine. Yeah. It definitely was a little bit of this like, okay, I'm going to take this like baby step into the water out of my comfort Mm -hmm. zone. And, you know, it started, I remember with my husband would order fries out and that was like a big no, no in the past for me. And I would just have a couple off of his plate. I wouldn't order them, but I'd like have a couple. And then I started to be like, oh, okay, nothing horrible happened. I'm safe. I'm okay. It's a little bit like working through trauma, right? You have to build up that safety as you go. And so that's a little bit of what it looked like. So, I mean, I'm not sure exactly time-wise how long it took. If I were to really think about it, 
I mean, it, it took a while for me because I started to do a lot of this taking baby steps, like I said, like eating fries off my husband's plate or like going back for seconds of dinner or whatever it was. And then, you know, it was a little while until I learned about intuitive eating. And that was really for me where it was like the last nail in the coffin there. Of, okay, I feel good now. But yeah, I think everybody's different. And it really was just like these little baby steps of creating safety. Okay, I'm not going to gain a ton of weight from eating a couple of fries, or I'm not going to just binge uncontrollably if I have one. So that was a little bit of what that looked like for me personally, but everybody's different. And then what happens in that situation where you begin this journey? Because ultimately, you probably are going to quote unquote, fall off the beam, right? Where Mm -hmm. you do a couple fries, and then maybe like three months later, you consume them uncontrollably. Yeah. And how do you work through that type of mindset issue? That's such a good question. I love that. Because we kind of call it in the intuitive eating space. It's like the honeymoon phase of intuitive eating that a lot of people go through where you start releasing some of that control and releasing some of those rules. You start to like step out of your comfort with food. And yeah, you know, for some people, there is this period of maybe overeating or just eating a lot of the foods that they didn't allow themselves to have for a while. And, you know, part that's part of the process for a lot of people. But what I always recommend, like when I'm working through this kind of stuff with my clients is number one, for example, say if they have a night of, okay, I didn't really eat mindfully, I overate on pizza, let's just use that for an example. What we want to do is really make sure that we're coming at it from number one, this place of self-compassion and getting really neutral about it and, you know, working on, okay, not going down the guilt and shame spiral as I like to say. And so what that would look like is instead of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I ate pizza. I'm such a horrible person. How could I have done that? Instead, it's like, okay, I overate on pizza and I didn't feel great afterwards, right? So getting really neutral about it. And then the next part is really key is to start to get curious about, okay, why did that happen? And this is really important because you know we don't want to stay stuck in the just like overeating and eating all the foods that aren't making us feel good. Like we said already, the end goal of intuitive eating is to find a really healthy balance, to feel really good, to you know be mostly eating enough, but not too much. So that's really important. you know. So that's where you can learn, okay, was it because I was emotionally eating? Was it because I overate because I didn't eat enough earlier on in the day? And then I got to the end of the day and I was just starving and I just wasn't able to be super mindful then you know, what was it? Was I distracted? So that's really, you know, how I would say to work through some of those overeating. Do you think that emotional eaters can be successful intuitive eaters? A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's really like with emotional eating, it's really about getting to a place where you develop healthy coping mechanisms that are and hoping coping strategies that have you not turning to food that have you, you know, doing other things, feeling your feelings. And then you have other strategies that you, that are in place. So you're not always turning to food, but a hundred percent. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Any last words of wisdom before we wrap up episode two of this amazing season? I'm so excited. We have four more to go. I know. No, I don't think I really, I mean, I feel like we, you asked amazing questions that I feel like really helped to 
talk about this whole good food, bad food mindset. So yeah. I love it. We are so lucky to have you and your amazing expertise. Thank you so much for, first of all, just getting in this space and working in it when it's not an easy space to be in and just debunking a lot of those things that I think keep some people from thinking that maybe I could be successful at this thing for the rest of my life. You describe it like it's a lifestyle choice, right? Like it is something you're choosing instead of like doing you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. My goal every time I'm working with a client is that they get to the end of us working together and the skills that they have and the place that they are is what they can literally take with them for the rest of their lives. So yeah, thank you, Martha. I love it. We're so lucky to have you. Thank you so much. And we'll be back next week with another amazing episode. Thank you, Victoria. All right, lassies and lads, I am not going to interrupt coaching and a cup of tea with Mama Bear for any reason other than this one, Brueda. That is correct. Brueda is the better way to brew loose leaf tea. Forget the toys and the trinkets that go along with brewing loose leaf tea. Brueda's patent approved filter lid is built in so you can filter while you sip. That's right. It's that easy. Just scoop in your tea, add hot water, and you're ready to go. With eight amazing flavors to try, you can maximize the benefits of loose leaf tea by allowing the leaves to fully expand. What? Releasing all their antioxidants and flavors for the most effective and efficient cup of tea. Yes, please. And right now, Breda is available for pre-order. This is very exciting, lasses and lads, okay? And today you can join the Founder Circle right now with my family and friends discount, Mama Bear 10. That's 10% off of your order. Listen, If you know someone that loves tea, if you are someone that loves tea, take advantage of this. All of the information is in the show notes. Brueda, it's the better way to brew.